It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, and welcome back to the Lockdown Brewers, brought to you by the Lockdown Podcast Network, where we talk about your favorite teams every day. I am your host, Vinny Rotino, and you can follow me on Twitter at Vinny Rotino. And also check me out on the pre- and post-game show during the season for Bally Sports Wisconsin. Also, make sure you follow at Lockdown Brewers on Twitter and subscribe to Lockdown Brewers Podcast wherever you get your podcast. And thanks for making Lockdown Brewers your first listen every day. We post episodes daily, five days a week, Monday through Friday, and we're free and available on all platforms. Joining me today again is nobody. This is going to be my second solo show. I'm going to try and produce and host the second show here, and I'm having a blast doing it. I appreciate everybody tuning in and joining me for these podcasts uh, in my illustrious podcasting career so far. Uh, again, wanted to give a shout-out, however, to the former host of Lockdown Brewers and now the host of Lockdown Braves, Jake Mastriani. Make sure you follow him at Shortstop Ball. Uh, but Jake was uh, phenomenal in the way that he has helped me kind of pass the reins. He's helped me try and uh, post these things and publish these things. It's a learning curve, but I'm, I'm learning, and these will go up uh, a lot quicker and easier for me as we continue to, to churn these things out. But I'm having a blast doing it. Again, appreciate everyone joining me on the podcast. But what we're going to talk about today, uh, you know, we're going to get more in-depth on the Hunter Renfro trade for Jackie Bradley Jr. and a couple of prospects. Also, we're going to talk a lot about the, the lockout. Wanted to di- dissect the lockout a little bit and also wanted to dissect last uh, in the last segment here, we're going to talk about Rob Manfred's letter to the fans. We're just going to kind of go through it a little bit because um, really, I mean, it's an interesting letter. Rob Manfred really kind of you know, stated his case publicly and we, and uh, really looking forward to talking about that and um, just kind of dissecting what was going on there. But, um, you know, look, first we're going to talk about that Hunter Renfro deal. Awesome deal for the Brewers. We're going to kind of go over it here, decide, discuss exactly what was traded away for the Brewers and then what the Brewers are getting in Hunter Renfro. So if you were tuning into the podcast last night, again, this is my, my first published podcast last night um i i published a podcast uh with the help of jake obviously after and i and i hosted the show and i got through it and all of a sudden my good friend jake said hey you might want to pause the show and i said wait why would i pause i just got finished he said hey look the brewers just traded for hunter renfro traded away jackie bradley jr right before the lockout happened so um that was <laughs> alarming and and so what i did was i ended up i ended up going ahead and uh, just adding in right at the end of the show. If anyone was following me on Twitter, they realized I tweeted out, hey, if you want to hear about this Hunter Renfro trade that the entire podcast is entitled, I entitled the, the podcast, you know, Brewers make a big splash in a trade that I didn't even talk about it until right at the end. So anyway, that's the reason why. So uh, obviously, I think it deserves more conversation. 
I think it deserves uh, us kind of breaking it down right here and talking about it and seeing exactly what the Brewers got in Hunter Renfro and what they gave up. So look, um, Hunter Renfro, uh, really, really solid player. Um, 31 homers last year, 34 doubles, over an 800 OPS, weighted runs created of 112. Um, you know, this is a this is a guy who had an offensive war um, in you know three you know into the three range. Let me just look that up here. Apologize. Um, it, it was in the into the three range, and then he was not favorable on the defensive side. The metrics didn't favor him on the defensive side of the ball, but look, he's, he's a solid defender in right field. I think what you're going to get is a defender similar, uh, uh, actually better than Avisil Garcia. I think Avisil Garcia at times showed some lapses out there in right field. Um, I think Avisil Garcia flat out lost some games for the Brewers with the way that he would not be focused in on the games. I, I can remember one game against the Giants, the last game of the series, against the Giants where he flat out dropped the fly ball that would have ended the game, extended the game, ended up losing the game. That was a heartbreaker, really. I thought that was going to have some playoff implications, but obviously the Brewers rattled off a bunch of games in September to kind of run away with it. But uh, at the end of the day, that was a, um, you know, Avisel Garcia was not a great defender in right field, despite, I don't even know what the metrics say on him. I just watched him play every single day, and it was not great. Um, I think what you're going to get in Hunter Renfro is an average defender out in right field. He's got a great arm. Um, I think you're going to get a guy who plays hard out there. Uh, he He's not going to be, you know, a plus defender in any way out there, uh, but he is going to play hard. He is going to be focused in on the game, and he's going to do a great job, obviously, offensively as well. Um, we're talking about a player who only has a – uh, 25% strikeout rate last year, a career 26% strikeout rate and an 8.3. Sorry, I apologize. 22% strikeout rate last year and a 7.7 walk rate last year. So those numbers are very encouraging. Brewers trying to get more players, in my opinion, and they should uh, get more players that continue to put the ball in play, have really good uh, ability to have quality at bats, the baton passers, as I, I like to call them. But what did they? What did the Brewers give up to to make this deal happen? They had to give up, obviously, Jackie Bradley Jr. Right. So Jackie Bradley Jr. was historically bad on the offensive side of things. Historically bad. I think he had the lowest weighted runs created of any single player with over 300 bats in Major League history in a single season. So that's bad. It's not good, not good <laughs> to, to, to have a record uh, in a single season for how bad you were is obviously muy, muy malo. So, look, at the end of the day, they traded away a player that can play defense, right? So this is a bit of a concern for me. Be, look, he was making way too much money. It's obviously a, 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 an ability to get rid of a contract here and then get a, a productive player in Hunter Renfro. And going to be productive for him, a replacement really for Avisel Garcia with a better defense. We just talked about everything that he's going to bring to the table. But at the end of the day, uh, JBJ was an elite defender, elite, and he will continue to be. Um, so that is a bit of a concern to me. I mean, he saved, um, the metrics say that he saved 12 runs last year, and that was good for top 15 in the league. But the UZR metric, 
again, these metrics on defense get very confusing, but just the UZR metric, he was number one in the league. Okay, so that's a it's a it's a range metric that they kind of use to determine what ball a guy's going to get to off the bat, what percentage of that ball is going to fall. Jackie Bradley Jr. was number one in the league there. So what do the Brewers do and where do they go if Low Kane does get hurt? So that is a concern for me. I mean, Tyrone Taylor is probably the next option up for this role uh, in center field. And I think Tyrone Taylor is an average defender, probably at best for me. He's an average defender in center field. I don't think he's a true center fielder. So, again, there is a concern there with losing Jackie Bradley Jr., despite him being historically bad, only because the Brewers are a defensive, uh, a run prevention kind of team, and they're built that way because of the starting pitching, because of the, the great bullpen that they have with Josh Hader and Devin Williams. This is a concern for me, the fact that, you know, we're a run prevention team. If something were to happen to Locaine, and chances are it will, just because of all the soft tissue things, he's going to be 36 next year. Um, you do want to have another elite defender at some point. It's somewhere in your minor league system, in my opinion, in the center field, in center field, just in case something does happen to Locaine, you can stick that elite defender in center field and you won't miss a beat in terms of run prevention. So that's the deal. And again, just talking, I actually forgot to mention who they also gave up. They ended up giving up David Hamilton. This guy's a scrappy player. He's undersized a little bit. He has good strike zone discipline. He can really work. Uh, he can really do great work with a defensive side of things. Um, but at the end of the day, um, this guy's probably at best a utility player. I do not think he's going to be end up being like a Nicky Lopez type. Um, and then the other the other guy that they gave up was the local kid, Alex Benayas, went to Oak Creek High School. Loved the local kid, had monster power. However, I think he was a little, little bit limited on the defensive side of things, probably likely going to end up at first base or DH. And um, at the end of the day, you really do have to hit. And I think he might. He's got a chance to really hit and really hit for some power. Um, but um, it's a good bet by the Brewers here. And I, I, I actually really like this deal at the end of the day. But, I, uh, you know, the, again, the concern is where do they go in center field if Locaine does get dinged? Next, we're going to talk about the lockout. We're going to kind of dissect the lockout, what happened um, today and what's to expect going forward. But before we do that, I'm going to talk about Built Bar. This holiday season, grab the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, or even better than a candy bar. Built Bar, filled with so much holiday goodness, rich with decadent flavor, covered in chocolate, but amazingly low in carbs, sugar, net carbs, and fat, and high in protein. You get the best of both worlds, delicious and healthy. There's so many flavors, you'll have a hard time choosing. Will you have raspberry or mint brownie, cherry or double chocolate, cookies and cream or peanut butter? Built Bar gives you that extra fuel you need to bust down those mall doors and battle all the holiday shoppers. Or if you're just standing in the endless shopping lines, Built Bar can give you that extra something to keep you going. So throw one in your jacket or your purse. You never know what you're, when you're going to need it. Because it's the season of peace and love, don't, don't bring up your favorite Built Bar flavor at a family party. People are so passionate about their favorite flavor, they'll fight you and things could get out of hand. Go to Built Bar, use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Use promo code 
lockdown 15 for 15 percent off at built.com so next we're going to talk about the lockout obviously the lockout occurred december 2nd at midnight um that was yesterday wednesday at midnight uh, uh i apologize thursday morning at midnight so look, what does this mean? What does this lockout mean? No transactions. No, it's a work stoppage. The owners shut out the players. It's a complete work stoppage. There's going to be no transactions. It's 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 a little bit of an eerie feeling. You go on MLB.com, the uh, uh, the content on the website for the Brewers is a little bit off. So you'll have to get, come to Lockdown Brewers to get all your news and everything, obviously, because there is they can't post certain things. And again, this stuff gets confusing because I don't even know why that is, right? I mean, why can't they post articles, but they can't. So um, there's no baseball moves whatsoever until owners and players can agree on a, on a collective bargaining agreement, a contract essentially that says the rules that are going to be in play for next year and the years to come. This is the first work stoppage in in a quarter of a, of a century, which is remarkable considering how contentious these sides are with each other. Um, but so, so why did this have to happen? So the, the owners are justifying this move, uh, to get the players to start negotiating. The owners felt like the owner, the players were not were kind of dragging their feet in the contract talks. And so they felt like they had to get, you know, the players kind of put some pressure on them, put some economic pressure on them, perhaps even threaten the the threat of a, of a lockout going into the season where they're not going to play baseball and obviously no payments of contracts would occur. So that is why they did it. Why did they do it at this time? Because they wanted to make sure that there was no work stoppages on the field, right? So that really did hurt the game of baseball. If everyone, anyone's been around, you know, around this game for a long time, if you remember 1994, there was no World Series. The players went on strike. That was not good for the game. That was horrible for the game. Um, one could even argue that was the reason why perhaps baseball kind of turned a blind eye to some of the things that were going on on the field with steroids, um, you know, just because they were hurting very badly for fans to come back. And they, it created a buzz. It created an excitement around the game. Remember the Mark McGuire and Sammy Sosa kind of home run battle, single season home run battle to break Roger Maris's longstanding record of 61 home runs. So um, that was very bad for the game of baseball all around. And the fallout from that was very bad for the game of baseball all around. I think nobody wants to, to have that. Obviously, they're going to play a game of chicken, in my opinion, to see who's going to flinch. Um, but at the end of the day, what what is being discussed and why can't they come to an agreement? The, the main issues, it seems, are you know, arbitration, uh, you know, when players, you know, arbitration and when players hit free agency. So this comes down to compensation and gets very nuanced around this. Um, and then the other thing that Max Scherzer kind of talked about was talking about the issue of tanking. So um, a lot of teams, a lot of small market teams will tank on purpose and, and field a, a team with very little payroll um, and even stock up, you know, reserves, and then they'll tank, and then they'll get a top draft pick, and then what that will do, that top draft pick for a couple years in a row, 
will then build up your system. Those players end up becoming, historically, the top draft picks end up being the players in each draft that accrue the most war. So at the end of the day, scouts, amateur scouts are getting these players right. Historically, these top draft picks are, are accruing the most war. The best players in the draft are the best players in the game. Um, and so that's why it is so valuable to tank. But obviously that hurts the game also. That's a, a very detrimental in the game, in my opinion. And so that that is going to be addressed, it seems. Max Scherzer wants that to be addressed. Um, Players Union wants that to be addressed. Um, some other issues that possible uh, rule changes are expanded playoffs. So the players, I don't think, is what, from what I'm reading, aren't necessarily opposed to having the expanded playoff system. Um, that will create a situation where, you know, obviously more teams are getting into the playoffs. We're talking about like extending it to 14 teams. Some pretty interesting and creative things going around about what that might look like. Um, it might even look like where the top seeds can actually pick who they want to play. Um, but anyway, a lot of creative ideas coming about about that. Sounds pretty interesting. Uh, but those are kind of the issues in a nutshell. Again, it gets super complicated. Uh, there's very good articles out there about this. MLB Trade Rumors has some, um, you know, obviously Tom Hardercourt, Adam McCalvey, um, it's kind of reporting really, you know, interesting stuff. Will Salmon from The Athletic is, is reporting phenomenally well on this to keep fans and everybody up to date. But um, it's, uh, it's really kind of that's what it comes down to. It comes down to the arbitration. Players essentially want players to hit arbitration sooner, and they want players to hit free agency sooner. Owners are proposing a 29-year-old free agency. So there is no arbitration system. Well, actually, I'm not sure on that, but but free agency would start at age 29 and a half. So that would hurt the best players in the game like Kyle Seeger and Carlos Correa. They would be under team control for a couple more years until they hit that 29 and a half. And that's where the players union is like, no way, we're not doing that. Because the players at the end of the day want the top end contracts to be very, very large. Why? Raise those contracts. Everyone else's contracts get raised. It's, 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 that's the issue. Okay. So players want, um, obviously more of the share of the money of the dollars coming in and owners obviously don't, that's it in a nutshell. Um, the owners are going to kind of want to, you know, save their profits and, and protect their profits. So that's the battle. That's been the battle for a hundred years in the game. And that's continuing today in the year 2021 going into the 2022 season. Next, we're going to talk about Rob Manfred's letter to the players. And I'm sorry, to the fans. Um, I thought it was interesting and it's worth discussing. So we'll just kind of run through that letter. But before we do that, talk about Bet Online. Bet Online has you covered all seasons, more props, odds, and lines than ever before as football season continues the march to the playoffs. BetOnline remains your number one spot for all sports action this season. Head to our new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code LOCKDOWN to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. 
Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports. Bet online, where the game starts. So we're going to talk a little bit about this letter that Rob Manfred wrote to the fans, and I'm just going to piece through this a little bit. Um, not to read it all verbatim, but I, I do think it is interesting and worth discussing. So, you know, look, he talks about, um, you know, thanks to fans, but he then goes into why he's so dis- disappointed about the situation that the game finds itself in today. Uh, he, he touts the league's best effort to make a deal with the Players Association, um, but it wasn't to be done um look and then he he talks about he wants to explain how we got here and and he really goes into depth and it's interesting goes into depth as to how the it was basically all the players union's fault um and and it's it's interesting because that this is the tactic it seems to that's all that's been kind of the owner's tactic it's kind of put put the players in in a poor light um, and to kind of put pressure, public pressure on the players, that's my opinion, puts public pressure on the players to make a deal. Um, so that, you know, I don't, there's two sides to every story, right? And that's why, um, you know, it, 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 I don't know if that's appropriate, but that's what he did. And, and it's a tactic, again, that's been used for, for many years in arguing the CBA for the, for the owner's side of things. And I'm not advocating either way. Look, I want I want the game to be played. That's all I want. So at the end of the day, I just want this to be over soon, and I want the game to be played. So it's, but I do I do want a fair deal for both sides. That is where I stand. Um, so he he talks about how the defensive lockout was necessary because the players' association's vision for Major League Baseball would threaten the ability of most teams to be competitive. It's simply not a viable option. That's what he says. From the beginning, MLBPA has, has been unwilling to move from their starting position, compromise, or collaborate on solutions. And so, therefore, he's threatening this labor stoppage. And that's why they felt compelled to do this labor stoppage. Um, so, you know, he talks about how um, we've heard repeatedly from the free agency is broken. In the month of November, $1.7 billion was committed to free agents, which was true smashing the prior record of nearly by nearly four times. But I think what the players are arguing is that in the past, in past years, the free agent market was, was very light Uh, players. It almost felt like collusion to the player side of things. And this is in years past where guys would, would not very good players would not sign with teams and they would go um, into free agency and not sign. Um, we saw this with the Brewers third baseman um, in 2020. Um, forgive me. Oh my goodness. I'm forgetting his name, but he, he, he retired. He, he led the team in hitting in the 2020 shortened COVID season. He was, he was with the, in the past, he was with the uh, Cardinals as well. And he ended up not signing. And, and it's like, okay, that's where it seems like the free agent system's a little bit broken. Obviously this year was a, was a, uh, a was a record class of, of kind of players that are, that hit the free agent market. The names that are on this list, you know, from the Marcus Simeons to the Kyle Seegers, to the Carlos Correa's to the Trevor stories. 
to the um, you know to the Max Scherzers of the world and the likes. It's like these names on this list for this year have been tremendous, um, and that's why I do think that you see the the numbers get way way up there in terms of dollar amounts for this year. So I, I do take that point that that um, Manfred is saying with a little bit of a grain of salt. But, um, you know, it's more of the same. Um, it's, it's a lot of blaming on the, on the players union. So again, I, I would encourage everybody to read that letter to baseball fans. Um, and just kind of go through it yourself. I mean, it's compelling what he's saying. Um, uh, he does make points as to why there should be some flex on the player side. But again, I, I do see both sides of this story. I do want a labor stoppage to to end very soon because I love this game of baseball and I do not want to see it hurt any more than it than it is already. And I think that everyone agrees with that. So, you know, at the end of the day, hopefully this ends sooner than later. I think we're 73 days away from what the scheduled pitchers and catchers reporting date is. So hopefully that does not get affected. But um that will do it for this episode of Lockdown Brewers. Thoroughly enjoyed it again. Please join me again. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at Lockdown Brewers. And you can follow me at Vinny Rotino. Also, make sure you subscribe to the Lockdown Brewers podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we will talk to you next time. You are Locked On Brewers, your daily Milwaukee Brewers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.